Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. It's a, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. <clears throat> We've got air conditioning. Um, you know, this, this living for God stuff is not always simple, is it? Um, I know that as, as, we, as we grow in God and as life chugs along, you know, I, I love, uh, there's a movie, Grumpy Old Men, if you've ever seen it. It's, uh, so it's got a couple of guys that are friends kind of at odds, but one of them has a dad that's, you know, really old. And <clears throat> he made a comment that, you know, life goes fast. One day you wake up and you realize you're not 80 anymore. <laughs> well, that's kind of the way it is for me. <clears throat> life goes fast and things happen. But as we live for the Lord, um, we want to be growing, right? We want to be progressing. And one of the things, maybe you've never struggled with this, but one of the things I struggle with occasionally is trusting the Lord. Trusting God is not something that's built into our system. It's... Uh, Trust is a noun. As a matter of fact, Webster says that it's the, the assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. Well, we know we can trust God. And <clears throat> we go through storms in life and we wonder what's going on, but the bottom line is that you can still trust God. Life is, I love what Brother Mackey says. Christians, people come to the Lord and they think everything's going to be just peachy keen, but Christians get flat tires and mosquito bites. So, but trusting God's not built into the human spirit. It's a learned skill. It's like learning anything. You have to work at it and practice it. And the companion to trust is faith. And there's a, there's a difference between faith and trust. And they, they, are, they work in partnership. It kind of boils down to this, that faith is a belief system. Trust is the action that goes with the belief system. And <clears throat> faith is believing that God is God, is who he is. And he does what he says he's going to do, and he's just God. And he does things that only God can do, that no, nothing else can do. And uh, believing God, even when you don't understand or his plan, is, is part of what trust is. Trust make, takes things a step beyond just believing. When things come up in life, and you don't understand what's going on, and you think maybe God has, has walked away from you because of circumstances, that's not the way it works. The Bible says he'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. So God is always there, but circumstances change. And so one of the things that personally I've struggled with is understanding 
in this trust thing, when do I just do nothing and when do I get moving? When do I do something that is going to affect the outcome of a circumstance or situation? You know, it's, it's kind of like this. Do I stand still and see the salvation of the Lord? Or do I say God's in control, but he doesn't expect me to lean on a shovel handle and pray for a hole? You know, <laughs> there's times you have a shovel in your hand and you need a hole, you dig the hole, right? But when, it's not always that clear cut though. It's not always that simple. So building trust and confidence in God is just, it's a progression, it's a process, and it's something that we learn. Now, faith, we know, the scripture says in Hebrews 11 and 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, if you will, to the 14th chapter. I gave a scripture list to him back there. Anyway, if you got a Bible, Matthew 14 and 23. It says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. So Jesus had just performed miracles, and he sent the disciples across the sea, or a big lake, in a boat. So he's up praying and the disciples are out in the boat and it says here but the ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with waves for the wind was contrary and in the fourth watch of the night Jesus went unto them walking on the sea now even as a human being Jesus had some some pretty nifty things he could pull off he'd just been up in the mountain praying and now here he was on the sea and not only was he just there, he was walking on the water. I've done that, but it's always been about 20 below zero. <clears throat> I can only walk on water when it's frozen. But here was Jesus walking <laughs> on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Well, I guess I might have reacted the same way. People don't walk on water. And so they were afraid. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, as I be not afraid. So here we go now. Here's Peter. Here's impetuous Peter, right? He's, he's the guy who's the quickest to act. Uh, he's the quickest to talk. He's the quickest to do. And so here he is. And so... All the disciples are there, but Peter's the one that speaks up and he's, I think Peter's thinking, if he can do that, maybe I can too. And so he said, Lord, if, the, if, if it's you, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Notice 
verse 30. It says, but when he saw. So here, here's something that's really key about faith. When Peter saw what was going on, he became afraid. And this is a normal human thing. We've, we can see things and we come to conclusions based on what we see. And when we see the circumstances, the situations that we're in, it can destroy our faith. Notice that it said that when he saw and then he was afraid. Fear is a faith killer. And <clears throat> so here, here's the key with faith. Our sight, what we see, the circumstances, the situations cannot dictate what we believe. We don't walk by sight, the Bible says. So what happens when we have faith? Faith becomes our sight. And we walk by faith, the belief that God is God and he'll do what we can't do. And so we don't walk by sight. That's what Peter's problem was. He was walking and he was doing just fine until he looked at what was around him. Sometimes we look around us and it's scary. And it was the fear that caused Peter's faith to disappear and be replaced by doubt. You know, doubt, this is a touchy thing. Doubt is something that I think, you know, we, okay, we're supposed to trust in God, right? But we really make him earn it, don't we? I mean, we are so driven by what we see that it's difficult for us to look beyond what we see and let our faith become our sight. And so when Peter saw what was going on he, and he became afraid, it caused doubt. So we see, we become afraid, and we doubt. That's the progression. And that's where we get in trouble, walking by sight. And so <clears throat> walking by sight will take you off of the path which is which God has ordained for your life. Psalms 37 and 23 says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Folks, you are on a path and if you're, if you're serving God and doing your best to follow him, he has a path marked for you. And you're gonna find that path not by looking at what you see, but you're gonna find that path by developing faith and trusting him and walking in the way that he would have you to do. So faith destroys, I'm sorry, fear destroys faith and trust. Second Timothy 1 and 7 says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So there's three components of faith, power, love, a sound mind. When you have real faith, you're thinking right. When you're seeing things, you don't think right. So faith impacts the way that we think. So fear 
Did you know fear is a four-letter word? I've heard it said that F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Back to verse 30, when Peter saw, he was afraid. When we walk by sight, fear is going to influence our choices and our direction. It'll take us off the path and it will, we make bad decisions when we are afraid because fear is, one, is Satan, one of Satan's greatest tools and what fear brings is confusion. And we're not at our best when we're confused. And just for those of you that are younger here, as you get older, it's easier to be confused. I swear the older I get, the more ADD I am. Distractions, I've, I've read things. Um, I love to fly. And to fly, you have to be in a certain medical condition to fly. And you have to pass a, a physical exam. And I've, I've read articles about how as we age, how our cognitive powers aren't necessarily reduced, but we are more easily distracted. And I find that to be true. If I'm, if I'm working, okay, you've never walked to the refrigerator and got there and opened the door and said, hmm, now what was I doing this for? Have you ever, I won't ask for a show of hands. I'm just saying I've done that. <clears throat> so, but when we're afraid, when we're, when we're really afraid, that's when we don't make good decisions. Confusion sets in. So fear is of the enemy. It's not of God. So <clears throat> we need to understand that. And when we get afraid, where do we turn? Um, we don't go to YouTube and see if there's a video on it, right? Man, the best thing to do when you're afraid is Get on your knees and pray. When I was a little kid, my, my little four-year-old granddaughter, Grace, she's afraid of thunderstorms. And I was, as a kid, I'd crawl under the bed. And my mom would come and we'd kneel by the bed and we'd pray. Now, I was still scared when we got done praying, but I felt better that my mom at least wasn't afraid, right? So... So when we, when we have fear in our lives, we don't make good decisions. We, we develop trust in God, getting back to trust, when we don't lean on our own understanding. Now, I've said this before, and some of you may disagree, but understanding is overrated. The Bible doesn't tell us to understand everything. I, don't, I didn't get baptized in Jesus' name because I understood I did it to be obedient to the word of God. I think obedience is a greater quality in a person than understanding is. Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, well, you know this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Remember the path, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. When you trust him you're gonna, and you walk his path, it's a straight path. Don't be wise in your own eyes. 
fear the Lord and turn away from evil. We need to acknowledge God in everything that we do. Acknowledge him in our prayers and in every direction of life. And God will be faithful to lead you on the right path. Verse seven is a great verse. It says, fear God and turn from evil. That's another thing. Just, we don't need to understand why things, why we need to do that. We just need to do it. So when you stop trusting God and you start leaning on your own understanding, you start making bad decisions. Same thing as when we're confused and afraid. We don't, we don't always make good choices when we use our own wisdom, our own logic. So don't lean on your own understanding. Satan will try to send you confusion and temptation during difficult times. Stop trying to figure out why and trust in the Lord. Don't listen to all the voices in your head. Trust in the Lord. This verse says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Your heart is the seed, the center of your emotions. Get your emotions out of it and get your heart in a place where you can trust God. It doesn't say to trust in yourself. It doesn't say try to figure everything out. That's where understanding, you're not going to figure everything out. You're just not going to. So, you know, I went to Milwaukee School of Engineering. And to this day, I can remember as a freshman, the incoming class, the vice president of academic affairs addressed the incoming freshman. And he said this about engineers. He said, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know how to get the answers to everything. And that's the same with God. We don't need to know everything because God has the answers. So we don't need to know everything. We just need to know where to go to get the answers, right? So that's what we do instead of trying to figure everything out. So sometimes... Trusting God means that you do nothing to solve a problem. You, you uh, place a situation in your life in God's hands and sit back and wait and watch. What does Isaiah say about waiting? They that wait upon the Lord, what? You get stronger when you wait. So doing nothing is counterintuitive It's just not, we're problem solvers, we're fixers, right? But there are many things we can't solve or fix. You know, the children of Israel are really a study in human nature, right? Because how many times did God do miracles for them and 48 hours later, it's like they never happened. Um, The nation of Israel... Is, has fled Egypt and it's not long before they're standing at the Red Sea looking at the Red Sea and they look behind hmm, to see what's coming, right? They're going by what they see. They see a Red Sea. They see an army. And what do we do? <laughs> Moses had a lot of courage to say this. In Exodus 14 and 13, and Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still, 
and see the salvation of the Lord. Could you have stood still, do you think? Or would you have been running the shoreline of the Red Sea? So it finishes to say, for the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Look at Job. Remember his his, um, trial that he went through? Man, he was living the good life. And then one event after another. Subtraction, subtraction, subtraction. And not just little things. He lost his wealth. He lost his family. And he's, he's essentially sitting there and he's got nothing left. And God had allowed Satan to take everything that was precious to him. And all Job had life, left was life itself. That's all he had left. And in Job 13 and 15 says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but will I, mean, I will maintain my own ways before him. I haven't experienced the losses that Job did, but I have been in situations where, what are you gonna do? You have no options. You're out of, it's like the airline pilot that's out of altitude, airspeed, fuel, and ideas all at the same time. Sometimes you just find yourself in a spot where you're powerless to do anything. And so Job was in that spot and he, um, he said, even if he slays me, <clears throat> excuse me, even if he slays me, I'm gonna still trust him. Now that is trust. So, you know what? Um, let me, I, I've shared this story before, but I want to share it again because if nothing else, it reminds me of what God has done. And this is something, this is an event in my life that really helped me trust God. And we, I was in business with my dad for over 30 years. And back about the time that we were thinking of adding on the west end of the building, brother, things were terrible. It it was going to work every day. Every time the phone rang, it was something else that was bad. And it just was not a good time. And so we had brother Gordon Mallory here during our capital campaign. And he spoke to us three times during the weekend that he was here. Do you remember this, brother Kylie? And... For some odd reason, every service, the first service, Brother Mallory came up to me and he just put his hand on my shoulder <clears throat> shoulder, and he said, the blessing and favor of God are on your life. I'm thinking, hmm, this is gonna be an improvement. The second night, he did the same thing. And then on Sunday morning, the last service, he came up to me and he said, the blessing and favor of blessing and favor of God's on your life, it's in the bank. Those three words, in the bank, meant to me, in my mind, that things in business were going to get better. Well, they didn't get better. They got worse. And after a, after a while, I thought, man, if 
this is the blessing and favor of God. I don't know how much more of it I can stand. Well, <clears throat> to, to shorten the story, I was in the process of um, shutting the business down. I actually had the phones disconnected and I get a voicemail and it's from a guy that he introduces, just gives me his name and says he'd like to talk to me. Well, in that period of time, none of those phone calls were good. And I'm not kidding you, I had my finger like this above my phone getting ready to hit the delete button. And I thought, okay, I'll call him. So I called and got his voicemail. And I just left him a message and I said, this is who I am, I don't know what you want. If you wanna call me back, here's my phone number, click. Well, he called me back. As it turns out, it's two guys that are buying a competitor that I had been competing with for years. I had lunch with them, and a week later they bought my company and I've been working for them for almost 13 years. You know, you know how they got my phone number? They did a, <laughs> this is funny. They did a Google search and saw that I'd done some teaching here they went to our website and on the contact me button on the website left a message and Cheryl was our secretary at the time, said, I'm trying to get a hold of Cliff Matson. Could you please, please give me his phone number? Look, when you're living for God, there are no coincidences. There's purpose in everything. And so, who'd have thought? I mean, I wouldn't go back to what I had. I wouldn't trade that for what God has brought me to for anything. And it was beyond my control. I remember one time, <clears throat> My son John and I were sitting in the living room and he asked me what I was gonna do about the business and what have you. And I just told him, look, I'm just trying to be patient and wait on God. And he said, patient? You've been patient way too long. You need to do something. Well, I didn't have a shovel and I wasn't praying for a hole. <clears throat> Sometimes waiting is all you can do. So we get into situations that are beyond our control. I mean, <clears throat> how tight is this 1030 thing? Can I go a little over? If... A number of years ago, uh, the company I work for now, we were invited to a mini trade show that John Deere held. They, they had an international conference for their dealers down in the Quad Cities around Moline, Illinois. And <clears throat> so we were invited to have a booth in this trade show. Well, in the evenings, they had some entertainment and we were invited to, and there it was dinners. And so we were invited to that. <laughs> and one night they had a hypnotist. And so this guy got up and he asked for volunteers that wanted to be hypnotized. And he said, you can come up. I can maybe help you quit smoking. I can maybe help you lose weight. I can... 
So there was probably 350 people in this room and probably 50 of them went up and volunteered. So the guy that was running this conference was about this tall, just a kind of a short guy. And he, he was one of those up on the platform and <laughs> this hypnotist went down the line, why would you like to be hypnotized? And so these people were given reasons, you know, and they got to this guy and he said, why would you like to be hypnotized? And he said, well, I've always wanted to be taller. <laughs> Think about the things we can't control. Turn to Matthew, the sixth chapter, in verse 25. It says, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which, by, which of you by taking thought can add one cubic unto his stature, even if you're hypnotized? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. <clears throat> Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after the, all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all of those things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We have control over so little in our lives but we can rest confident that God's gonna take care of all of those things. There it is right there. So just some final thoughts on trusting God. First of all, God has perfect timing and his timing is not our timing. I've already said it, when you're following and trusting God, there are no coincidences. Sometimes God's blessings are not in what he gives, but in what he takes away. He knows best, trust him. Charles Spurgeon said to trust God in the light is nothing, but trust him in the dark, that is faith. Sometimes when things are falling apart, they may actually be falling into place. The more you trust God, the more he will amaze you. Whatever you're worrying about right now, forget about it, take a deep breath and trust in God. Faith is trusting in God even when you don't understand his plan. And I'll finish with this. If God wants a thing to succeed, you can't mess it up. And if he wants a thing to fail, you can't save it. Just rest and be faithful and trust in God. Remember who you are and the name that you bear. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God 
and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.